Hello everybody and welcome back to Kings of the Rift, your source for competitive League of Legends news and opinions, as well as your new source for League of Legends coaching. Um, I'm your host, Gold Knight, and before we get into everything, I really wanted to say thank you to all of you for listening. Um, whether that's you on um, you know, on Twitter or or Twitch or YouTube or Anchor or any of the other podcast platforms. Um, you know, this podcast is available wherever all the other fine podcasts can be found. Um, if you're on iTunes or Spotify or anything like that, leave me a review on there. Um, it definitely helps to get this podcast noticed. And, um, you know, anywhere else you can find us, basically give us a follow, um, give us a subscription, like however they, whatever that place has for you um, to do, definitely, uh, you know, figure that out for us. Help us out. Um, you know, it definitely helps us get noticed um, and actually bring things up for, um, you know, for the, the future, for sure. Um, any bit of help is fantastic, and uh, your support will help keeping help me keep making this podcast. Uh, with enough support, the episodes will just keep getting better and better quality. Uh, we can always get we can get a new mixer, we can get a new microphone, we can get a computer. However, all this works. So we do that; it's gonna work out. So. Um, we're going to today um, talk about drafting. Um, drafting is something that I've been really um, kind of taking a look at for a while and um, just kind of figuring out where we need to um, like where we need to go and where people need to uh, look at themselves or look at their teams even to figure out how uh, how the play should be. You know, there's certain certain things within drafting that are um, that are unwritten and things that we just don't really think about. Um, a lot of us who play uh, will just be sitting there and we'll say, you know what? It is, uh, I want to play Sejuani. I want to play Swain. I want to play whoever. And you just do that and you play it. And it doesn't really matter if you are going to win or lose. You're a one trick or something. Um, you know, you just want to play it because it's fun. But if you really want to get forward and uh, take take yourself to the next level um, in ranked or in competitive or in a, um, you know, kind of an amateur league or something like that, um, or even in, 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 to a point in Clash, um, you know, if you're really serious about Clash when that comes up and around, um, you really need to kind of take a step further when it comes to drafting. There's certain things that will just basically be easier to do uh, once you kind of know where your drafting is going to come from and what the thoughts are behind um, actually drafting a composition that will win you the game. So there's a couple different things I want to touch on this episode. Um, definitely want to bring these parts here. Um, there's going to be about, let's see, one, two, three, and four uh, things we're going to talk about tonight uh, in regards to drafting. Um, and I'll, I'll, I'll lay them out as we are uh, talking right now. Uh, the first thing is going to be applying um, the Magic the Gathering coloring, or the color theory to drafting. Um, you know, color theory is definitely something that. Um, LS got into uh, before on uh, his stream a while ago, um, kind of took off a little bit, then fell back, and then all this different stuff. He had a whole uh, podcast together with Magic the Gathering, um, like, player um, who also played League to kind of figure out uh, the colors and, and all this different stuff. And I'll explain more of that when we get into it. Um, the second part here is advantages in the draft position so um you know there's different things within the draft that 
um, you know, you have three different positions. You have uh, blue one, you have um, R2 to three, or R1 and two, yeah, and you have blue to three, and, and so on. Um, that's what I'm referring to when I say uh, blue uh, you know, draft positions or red draft positions here. Um, so basically, there's advantage of draft positions, which in kind of taking a look at what uh, blue side and red side have for advantages here. Um, and then also we're going to talk about best roles for your champions, or best roles and champions to blind pick. Um, and this is something that will help you out with um, with drafting. Uh, you're not just going to pick up your top laner because your top laner wants this. Um, well, that's easily counterable. It, it, you just shouldn't do that. Um, you know, there's, I'm going to talk to you about the best roles to really pick, um, maybe best champions to play. Um, when it comes to blind picking uh, your champions. Um, of course, I'm not talking about the blind pick mode in League, but just the the blind pick, you know, in a um, in an actual, like, draft, se- you know, sequence. Um, and then we're going to talk about the last thing, um, being draft philosophies, and basically where we are going for um, structuring your draft. You know, what the different pieces of uh what pieces of your team come together to make your draft and what you kind of have to look at and say this is uh this is something i can take from and this is something i can take away and how do i make now a cohesive draft uh, either composition uh whether that is something like a um you know a dedicated composition like a you know, just a press R comp, um, knock up comp, or something like that, focusing on Yasuo or a bounce castle type one. Um, if that's something you looked into, or anything else, you know, but you have to look at yourself and you have to look at your team for drafting and say, this is what actually is going to be, um, you know, the best way that our team um, and our composition will play, and you'll figure it out that way. So um, let's get into the first thing right here. Um, first thing being the applying Magic the Gathering color theory to drafting. Uh, each champion in League of Legends has a color. Let's say, let's say color. Um, where it points out the strengths and or weaknesses of that champion. Um, Basically, borrowing from Magic the Gathering, um, there's the there's five, uh, six colors basically, and basically, like the, there's aspects behind these colors. Um, it's not just oh well, this champion uh, has red on his kit, so he looks so he's red. No, uh, there's basically like one of three things that each color represents um for example uh red and blue uh which are two colors here um outline when things happen so uh, red and blue will say is it the early game or is it the uh, kind of the late or mid game for the champion um you can think of a lot of different champions which champions are good early game which ones fall off um you know the champions that you can say oh we scale with when you're playing in uh, your own games here. Um, Green, black, and white are how things happen. Um, So things like green are uh, basically, you know, how do you you play the game? Uh, Black is how do you play the game along, you know, like a quest or a power, you know, power at a cost. Um, you know, is there something that, you know, that must be met to make this champion work? Um, and of course, like white, it's basically, it's versatile, that kind of stuff. Um, that's how it's going to happen. You know, will it blend easier? Uh, will it figure things out on its own? Um, and the last color here is actually not a color. It's colorless, um, where it's basically, there's no real color for it. Um, but it's a good thing to put it into its own category, so we're not forgetting things. Um, and colors just indicate, indicates basically that a champion has its own dedicated theme. 
and that's something that really, um, you know, once you kind of take a look at it, you go, okay, color, you know, the the one, the colorless type of thing uh, really makes sense if you look at it and say, okay, that you have to play a certain way or you have to play, um, you know, something that's just that way with that hand too. Um, so, for example, so we'll go through each color here. Um, and we'll kind of take a look at maybe thinking about each champion, uh, or not, well, we won't, we won't go through every champion, but, um, you know, we can get into this and do a different episode. I can do a whole, um, you know, whole video of it on my, um, YouTube here about it if you'd like. Um, but we're going to go through the colors. We're going to kind of give ideas of maybe which champions are in this, uh, you know, either these colors or, um, you know, what, what champions kind of fit here. So, um, first off, the color is, uh, red and uh, the color red really stands for aggression. Um, it's also strength early. Um, it runs out of fuel fast and it's extremely weak if behind. Um, so I like to think of champions like Renekton, um, things like Jarvan, um, Jarvan's not fully red. I think Renekton is a little bit more red. Um, however, um, if you really kind of think about those champions who you need to snowball. You need to get ahead. And if they don't get ahead, then you're just kind of, you know, you're kind of lost at that point. Um, I do like to think that, um, you know, a champion like Draven is something that is um, very much so a red champion, but also has... Um, bits of black in him, uh, where black is kind of has to play a certain way. He has to, um, you know, has to play around his spikes, or the spikes being like power spikes for, um, you know, getting getting his gold, um, and then figuring out you have to like cash in, otherwise he's not able to snowball. Um, let me just see right here. Let me see if I can find it. Here. Um, okay, so I wanted to pull up. Uh, real quick, a, the color spreadsheet, um, as it was uh, a while ago here. Um, and just thinking about, like, pure, like, basically pure red champions. Um, are things like, uh, let's see here. Um, are not pure red, but things like Alistar, um, where Alistar has to go in. He's aggression, he's going in, he's doing things. Um, you know, there's, there's really... Not much else he really can do. Um, like his whole thing is aggression. He's going in, he's getting that knock up, he's doing what he needs to do. Um, something basically like um, like Jace, if you take a look at the extremely weak if behind, um, that's something that I think really needs to be figured out with that. Um, with the with the red side there, um, Katarina as well. Uh, Cat doesn't really have, she doesn't have stuns. She's an assassin. Um, in the red category, you are going to have a lot of assassins. Um, you know, there is, uh, basically, if you, if your champion needs gold to, to survive, um, at least in the early game, like actually kind of snowball their way, they're going to be red. All right. So on to blue. Uh, the blue champions are control champions or they have bits of manipulation um, or speed scaling um, you know they're able to get in there and um, you know be a bit weak early but basically very massive late game um, someone that i like to think about explicitly with blue is someone like vagar who vagar is um, can be relatively weak um, early, but he's just going to keep scaling. He's going to keep getting better as it's going on, and he's going to figure it out. Um, he also has control through his through his baby cage that he has, um, through his AOE with his um, with his W, <laughs> um, and it's very much so. You know the champions that are, um, you know, people like Jin, honestly is a blue champion. Um, you know, champion he basically like 
the control that Jin has in the lane with being able to um, basically just get scaling constantly. Um, you know, as he gets more crit, he gets more movement speed, which gets more attack on his uh, fourth shot. Like all this, it just kind of just scales and scales and scales. And at the end, Jin is going to just be one shotting you basically. Um, kind of going through and taking a little bit more look, looking at blue. Obviously, a lot of mana champions, like um, you know, mages and all that, will be, um, you know, your blues. Um, I know it seems kind of, uh, I guess, intuitive. I was going to say counterintuitive, but it seems kind of, it makes sense that of course the blue champions would be the mages, um, and that's that that makes sense. I mean. If they're able to control a an area and just figure it out, you're good to go. Um, so someone like Nautilus would be um, would be a blue champion because he does have that control. Um, he does have that manip manipulation within his um, you know within his kit where he's able to figure out certain things for you. Um, he's able to basically get in there and say. This is what I'm gonna do right now. Um, you know, it's it's my house kind of a thing. Um, and as it goes longer, he gets tankier, he just gets stronger, and he's able to just completely shut you down. Obviously, if you're able to prevent uh, the Nautilus death spiral, um, which does sometimes happen as you are squishier as you get early, um, and that's one of the big things too. Nautilus is ridiculously weak early. Um, I know because I've I've mained him quite a bit. All right, and then into the green color here, we have Harmony, Synergy, Specific Power Spikes, Timings. Um, it's pretty bad on its own. Usually has to be with another champion or something. Um, and it, But it's really good at Wars of Attrition. Um, so things that are able to kind of uh, stretch themselves out and... Uh, figure out themselves, you know, like something like Mordekaiser, um, where Mordekaiser is, his power spikes are huge. Um, and when he, when he gets six, it's huge. When he has, uh, his, uh, the, the slow on his, uh, on his spells, that's huge as well. Um, Things like Lissandra when she gets her ult. Anybody who's really reliant on their ult, um, I would say, is pretty green there, um, just because they, like, that's their thing. They, they, they're not a champion, let's say, until they get their ult. Um, things like Riven, where uh, the more items she gets, stronger she gets, you're good. Um, uh, let's see, I'm trying to find a pure green champion. Honestly, right here is Shivana. Um, that is a champion who is specifically looking to get dragons. Um, that is her power spike. That is what she's looking for. And it's something that, um, you know, makes her champion very unique. Um, same with Skarner, who has his spires. And that's where he wants to play. Um, he wants to be in that area. However... What also makes him green is the fact that he's able to enable his allies uh, with the use of his stun and his ult. Um, his ult is like the thing for Skarner. That's it. Like, like I mean, Skarner is more than that, of course, but you pick him for his ult. That's, you're not picking him because he's a good attack speed or you're picking him because he's a good tank or anything like that. You're picking him because you want to play his play with his ult figure them out, you want to just skewer the people and bring them back into your uh, team. So, you know, we'll look more on that as we kind of, um, you know, go throughout. Um, if we do dive in, into the colors uh, more specifically in a different um, you know, podcast or something. And then we get into black. So black is power at a cost, like I said earlier. Um, and Demands that must be met. So, some like champion that would be considered black um, is something like Senna, where Senna has a quest. That was a bad example, not what I meant. <laughs> Senna, 
Senna does have a quest. Um, she is basically um, she's trying to get all of the um, all of her souls and everything. Um, something like Shaco, where you basically want to be playing, putting boxes around. You want to go and invade, and you want to just assassinate people. And um, you know, you just you gotta you got, if you don't do that and you don't use your your invisibility well. Shaco is going to be kind of useless. Like he can be used in just a normal way, um, but if he's if he's focused like that, then you're good to go. Um, another black champion would be, um, to a point, something like Varus, um, because of the the like the I don't know, the poison stacks, the little stacks that he has on his passive uh, or on his uh, W passive. Um, getting those off and then, uh, then popping, uh, you know, the poke and everything like that is, is huge for him. Um, but of course that's something that you need to focus around playing that certain way and not just, um, you know, not just figuring it out, um, as you're going, you need to play it that way. Um, either the poke or you can play it, um, just on hit, however you do that, but that's kind of a thing that you have to meet when you play with him. Um, also, something like Yorick. Um, that's a big one, too, where Yorick is just going to split push. Um, you really can't play Yorick, um, you know, as, as a team fighter or something like that. Um, Yorick is going to be playing in the top lane or playing in the bottom lane, just running it down, getting a turret, backing, going back top, doing this, going back forth. And just doing it. Like, that's how that's how he's going to play. You have to, like, you have to let him do his thing and not be trapped in, well, we're just, you know, we're losing every fight because we're 4v5. At that point, you need to actually create an advantage for yourself in another point. Um, so being something like a, um, you know, an advantageous uh, draft in the other side. So... Basically, with something with engage, um, so you can get picks. Something, um, you know, maybe let's say global, like a nocturne or something like that to cover the Yorick. Um, that's definitely something that you can kind of figure out here and uh, and try to get into your, um, you know, help out those those black champions, at least ones who do, uh, you know, use the split pushing type of thing here. Um, so then we go from black to white, and white is very versatile. Um, white is able to blend into another character or another color very easily. Um, so some a character that would be considered white is something like, um, you know, Zaya. Zaya, she's not like she's not very anything on her own. Um, yes, she is a little bit aggressive. But she's she's in here and she's filling she's filling roles. Um, you know, a lot of a lot of white characters, um, you know, would be a supporting character. Um, you're not picking Zaya to destroy the lane or to do anything like that. Um, you're picking her to to do well in bot lane and, and just keep going. You know, keep your team comfortable in the bot lane. Um, something like Victor in the uh, in the mid lane. Um, something like Zyra in the bot lane, or even in mid, uh, where it's basically she's able to just fill that role. Um, you know, get the stuns, basically help other people out. Um, you know, she's not really the point of, like, she's not the focus of the draft. Um, something like Lee Sin, to a point. Um, you know, White, he, he's able to support his team by kicking... You know, kicking someone in or kicking someone away. Um, he has these different modes that he can play, uh, which is very cool. The different little modes that you can play through. Um, and then, of course, we get into colorless. Um, you know, a dedicated stream or dedicated theme um, that is strong uh, within that theme. Um, a lot of times the draft will just warp around them. Um, and there's not a ton of colorless play or colorless characters. Um, but if you look at something like, um, 
you know, if you look at something like a Darius, let's say, um, Darius is going to be in the side lane. He's going to be wanting to take big fights. Um, he's going to be wanting to use his ult to just blow open the game. Um, something with Corky, let's say. Um, Corky's another character that's colorless, whereas color, where basically Corky will want to go in and just poke constantly. Um, like that's his idea: poke, 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 back off, go around here, poke, 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 go over here, do this. Um, that's fine. Um, that's something that I think is really um, is perfect. Um, Let's see here. Some I'm just trying to look at other things here. Things like uh, Rengar. Rengar is very much colorless. He is purely colorless. Um, he is looking to be invisible. He's looking to be just an assassin. Um, he's just wanting to be on his own. Um, he doesn't want to be anywhere near, um, you know, like he, he's going to be hunting people down. He's going to be look, catching people on rotations. He's going to be doing stuff like that. Um, and if you can let him do that, he will run the game over. But if he's not able to, he's not really going to be useful. He's not, he doesn't scale very, very well. He's not great early because of his, because uh, he needs his six. Um, he doesn't fill many roles. He has a, a slow and a stun that you have to like do prerequisites to get. Um, his whole thing is that he's going to jump on you. And he's going to jump on you to kill you. Um, and of course, if we're playing around that, we're playing around him picking you off and um, and getting something like an Ivern uh, with the with him, that's that's even better. Um, so that's basically what I'm talking about uh, when it comes to color in uh, League of Legends. Uh, using co these colors to draft is not um, it's not like the perfect way to go. You can't just be like, okay, um, you know. We're going to have a perfect, like, you know, you know we, we're not just looking for only red or only blue or only green. Um, we're kind of looking for a little bit of everything. Um, but you need to make sure that you're not doing only, um, you know, only everything. You want to be able to have something that is very much a, um, very much something that is, um, that works together. You can't have things that are really strong in the early game. And then something that's ridiculously, you know, great in the late game. Um, and that's just, it's just kind of interesting. Um, it's a way, using the colors is a way to basically analyze a draft. Um, usually it's after the fact um, to gain a, the true advantage. Like take a look at it and say like, okay, um, you know, if this game is played out correctly, this is how, um, you know, this team should win. Uh, you know, color theory is not perfect, but it is a way to understand that if played correctly, each game should be played out this certain way. So, um, taking a look at that, um, that is it for color theory. Um, that's all I have on the, on the topic at the moment. Um, I am going to take a little break here. Um, and we'll get into advantages in draft positions, uh, the best roles in champions to blind pick, and draft philosophies right after this commercial break. We'll see you on the other side. Welcome back, everybody. Um, we are back with Kings of the Rift. Um, and we're talking about advantages in the draft positions. Um, now, in terms of draft positions, I mean blue side versus red side. Um, there is um, weaknesses and strengths to both. Um, I'm basically going to talk about the advantages because um, the weaknesses will kind of shine themselves in the advantages. Like, it'll make sense once we talk about it and figure it out here. Um, and one of those things are... Um, you know, it, there's there is blue side advantages as well as red side. Like there's not not just one side is better than the other. Um, of course, that does happen with metas um, shifting and draft. You know, changes a little bit um, during certain patches. But unfortunately, that's just the way the cookie crumbles. Um, 
So if we take a look at blue side, um, the biggest advantage on blue side is definitely the B1 power pick. Um, the team with blue side has the ability to pick an OP champion. Um, basically, the champion that is just destroying solo queue or has the highest win rate or just can't be countered. Um, and blue side also has the ability to take a point and just influence the way the red bans. Um, because if blue, like, especially in the first draft phase, um, because basically if blue champ, if, if the blue champions play a certain way, um, or certain champions that aren't normal, uh, you can get the red team to just ban out those champions. Um, you know, I like to think a lot about how, um, I think it was the world finals where, um, they were just afraid of Caitlyn. Um, I think it was Death's Caitlyn that they were afraid of, and they just kept banning it against him, and it just it just didn't get through. Um, and but Caitlyn wasn't a huge pick; like she was she was good at Worlds, um, but sometimes it wasn't fitting into the draft. It wasn't fitting into what they wanted to play. But it was a good champion, um, especially for Death, and they just went and they attacked that. Um, so that was a free ban that they were able to kind of, uh, you know, garner favor with. Um, so in addition, blue side can also be the ones who dictate actually what happens in the draft. Um, if blue picks jungle and bot lane plus support um, in the first three picks, they have to cause, like, they basically cause red to have to ban top lanes or mid lanes. Um in, in response there, because what if they ban out top laner or they ban out junglers, and they've already picked the jungler? Well, what's the point there? Um, if they ban out a support, well, we already have a support that doesn't. That's just supporting. That's just taking it away from you. Um, which is why it's actually really good on blue, um, in the first couple of picks here, obviously to have uh, flex picks because, um, you know, they might be trying to ban out your top lane. Oh, but that jungler you picked, he's actually a top laner. Um, and he's going to be going in, you know, in the top lane and, and just kicking butt there. So then we take a look at the red side advantages. Um, and honestly, red side um, has a little bit different of advantages. Uh, red side has the R5 counter pick, which is um, the perfect, like, I love the foil between blue side and red side the good thing about blue side is that they have the first pick the good thing about red side is they have the last pick um i just love how that works out it's it's it's, it's stupid but it makes sense it, I, I love it um red side has the ability to see the whole draft without having to commit to one thing fully. um so basically they can fit that puzzle piece into their team um, especially if they've drafted well up to that point, they can basically say, oh, well, wait, they're all doing, they're all diving. Okay, let's pick, and like, I can just pick, um, you know, I can just pick, like, a Nami, or I can pick Janna, or I can pick whatever to just basically disengage from that team. And now we just win. Like, we, we, we countered them. I countered their whole idea of what they're doing. We're just getting out of here. Um, so that's great. Or if the enemy team is all AD, red side, you know, counter pick can just basically say it's time for Ramus, or it's time for Leona, or it's time for Malphite, or something like that, and just completely shit on their draft with no, um, with no recourse, honestly. Um, so then you take a look and their counter pick literally is direct opposition to what Blue's picked. Um, they can usually use it to um, further augment their draft too. Um, if they were kind of half and half, um, you know, half in on some poke and maybe some, you know, like I, I can poke, but I can also engage. Um, and the enemy team just doesn't have engage. Well, then we're going further engage. Um, we're going to just be able to go in on them, get picks, figure things out. Um, which is fantastic. Um, red side also has a little bit of like a mini counter pick, 
when it comes to um, the R2 and R3 picks. Um, because basically what you're able to do is you're able to say, oh, well, you know, R2 is, you know, a little bit something like we can set up for next, you know, for R3 here. Um, but R3 is where you really have the ideal early counter. So you can say, wait, I'm just going to pick, like, you pick jungle and top and support, or in mid and support. It's a mid and support, that's fine. Um, jungle, mid and support. Well, I'm going to pick an AD on my third pick on, on red side. And then I'm going to ban ADs that are good against this. Um, just to, just to make sure that I have a good pick. Um, so, I honestly, I think that's the best, that's the best thing um, for blue side and red side. Um, advantages are, you know, pretty apparent. And I think a lot of times we don't really think about it. Um, we don't look at it and say, oh, of course, like that, that makes sense. Like, of course, this is here and that's there. Like, we just figure it out. Um, but I think it's honestly something that, that we need to kind of take a little bit of a look at. Um, and especially if you, now that we're having the ability to, um, swap, like positions in league, it's kind of crazy. Um, you know, positions in the the drafting, um, at least with solo queue. Definitely think that's a cool, um, you know, cool thing. You can basically turn, you know, you can swap yourself up to first pick, be able to pick, you know, a huge jungle champion if you want, um, or pick, you know, a really good top laner if you wanted to, um, and you don't have to worry about basically figuring, you know. Oh, can you trade for me? Can you do this? Can you do that? Like, you can just you trade yourself up. You see if you want to, you know, you can do that, and you're good to go. Um, But then we go from there. Like, we're talking about, you know, having to blind the things, like, on blue side, um, using the power pick. What are the best roles or champions, even, to blind pick? Um... The best roles to blind pick usually are support, jungle, and ADC. Um, honestly, it's because a lot of times these roles don't have very much a full counter. Um, there's nothing that is uh, like a champion to champion counter. Uh, I, the one thing I can think about um, is like top laners. Uh, top laners a lot of times have a very certain like champion to champion counter. Uh, one of the things I remembered back in the day was um, old Fiora, um, where she had, like before she had repost and all this different stuff, was really bad against old Pantheon. Uh, because it was just like, it just was ridiculously good against Fiora. The ability to sit there and um, constantly throw Q you know, Q harass as uh, Pantheon. Be able to jump on and stun her with just no recourse. Um, the ability to do the whole bunch of stabs in front of you. Um, like, basically, while she was having to melee and all this. was just insane. Um, and the ability to, like, build up your little passive shield that you used to get as Pantheon. Um, and then just you can basically hide your shield until she's going to go into Q, and then you can shield it, and you're good to go. Like, she can't do anything to you. Um, but that's, that's like, the specific champion-to-champion champion stuff. But if you take a look and you look at, actually, like, at those different... Those, these roles here, support, jungle, and ADC, they don't really have, like, specific champion to champion counters they have more of countering of play styles um we're basically like oh well you're gonna pick um you know you're gonna pick Callista in the bot lane okay um well Callista's are you know has to crush early she's gonna do really well early game she's gonna be probably picked with renata um so here we go we're gonna we i know what this i know what this champion's gonna be so then they just like, if you blind that, that's fine. Um, you know, it can do well into a lot of things. But then the guy goes, oh, well, I'm just going to pick Ezreal. Or I'm just going to pick Caitlyn. And I'm just going to poke you. I'm not going to let you get on top of me. Um, 
And you can even match match the Callista with more aggression, um, with something like Lucian, or um, you know, or something with a Felios or anything like that, and just kind of sit there and just figure it out. Um, you know, of course, if there is an OP champion that you're playing, uh, that that is that you can play um, on your team, a lot of times it's usually good to pick the OP champion first. Um, especially in the early season, before a counter has been found. Uh, because early in the season, OP champions are the thing to go for, and it basically is something that can just completely shit on the meta. Um, complete, com- com- completely shit on whoever you're playing with. Um, and that's basically what you need to do to be able to figure it out. Um, you know, you need to pick an OP champion, slam it as a blind pick, and just say, well, figure it out. You know, challenge that person to figure it out. Challenge the person who you are leaning against, whether that's in mid, top, jungle, whatever. Slam the OP champion and say, well, I'll see you on the rift. Just figure it out. Um, Some good champions here that um, can be blinded. They can fit into multiple compositions. And, you know, really need to be flexible. Um, th- that's, like, the biggest thing with the champions that can fit into the multiple compositions. Um, and something like that would be something like Jarvan. Um, Jarvan can be picked a number of different ways. Or can be played a different a number of different ways. Um, Jarvan can basically be a, uh, you know, glass cannon where he just builds damage, he, uh, you know, cues you, takes your, um, you know, takes some resistances with his with his E and all that, and, um, you know, just jumps on you with his ult, and you're dead. He just blows you up. Or he can be the tank, where he's just jumping on, keeping in the pit, he can EQ out, whatever, like, you know, and then you're just stuck there. Um, but it's flexible. You can fit him into different kinds of things. Um, but then something like, let's say, on the ADC front, um, there's things like Ezreal or Lucian. Um, Ezreal's able to be uh, blind picked because he's safe, because he's flexible, because he can play, um, you know, just regular poke Ezreal, whether that be, um, you know, Duskblade Ezreal, or that be um, the, uh, like, tank, tank killer Ezreal with his with the um that one item that I can't remember. Um or you can basically uh you know just do them as like blue Ezreal with the um especially now blue Ezreal will be great because of the added sheen uh into the role of uh Iceborne Gauntlet. And honestly I love that. I love the ability that we can just like a champion like this can actually be you know, flexed in that many ways. Um, but also Lucian. Uh, Lucian is not just the kind of run-and-gun gunslinger where he just, you know, dashes in, auto-auto, Q, auto-auto, like all this sort of stuff. His, he, a lot of times he's an actual, like, caster. I feel like he's closer to a caster or to, like, mage than a lot of other ADCs. Um, you can basically put Lucian in any comp and just kind of figure it out. Um, he is a little bit low range, obviously, but he makes up for it with his ult um, when he is able to just completely kill a wave or able to attack, um, you know, the enemy and just figure and just figure it out basically. Um, and Lucian's, if you're if you're good, Lucian at least you're able to just kind of roll over any other people that are playing against you. Um, then of course uh, we're talking about blind pick champions and one of the good blind pick champions um, or roles here is uh, supports and so things like Lulu um, you can pick that quite any time just look at worlds they were able to just pick them or pick her Lulu and she's just good to go um, however you know whichever comp it fit in um, you know with with the ability of her to give someone a lot of health give someone shielding. Um, you know, be able to uh, 
whimsy, the you know, the person, uh, and polymorph and all this different stuff. You're able to do that. You're able to get away with a lot. Um, you know, it's a good champion that you can just kind of say, well, we figured it out. Uh, you can just, like, you just pick this and, and, and it's decent into anything. Um, and, of course, something like Nautilus, um, where Nautilus can just be picked and just you're good to go. Um, you know, Nautilus will be able to be kind of scaling and he'll be able to, um, you know, he's able to hook, he's tanky, he, um, weirdly really enough does a lot of damage once you get later in the game, um, you know, with the tank items and all this. Um, so it's just good that you can just kind of figure things out. And those are kind of things that you want to get into a blind pick, um, a blind pick champion. If you guys know of any other blind pick champions that you can think of, um, throw it in the comments, throw it in, uh, you know, Twitter, all this different stuff. Um, if you can think of anything that you, you know, off the top of your head that, oh, this is a, this is a good blind pick champion. This, I always pick this blind pick and, and I never have an issue with it. And then of course we're going to round it off tonight, um, with all this draft talk, um, talking about draft philosophy and, uh, basically the way that we draft in general, really. Um, there's a number of ways to structure your draft. Um, you can either just pick the most OP champions for each role, um, just go down the list and say, okay, picking this best, top laner, jungler, mid laner, bot lane, support, good to go, perfect. Um, you know, regardless of how that composition looks, you know, you could do that if you wanted to. Of course, I don't recommend that. Um, definitely not something that, um, you know, these things usually don't fit together. Um, you know, it's, you might have an all AD comp, or you might have almost no range, or something like that. And it's just, and it doesn't work itself out. Um, it's easy to be easy to be figured out. Um, is the idea. Um, or you can obviously go a certain composition in mind. Um, you can do something like a bounce house composition where it's something like Camille, Jarvan, Galio, Callista, Alistar, um, where you're basically just trying to knock someone up all the time, um, you know, and just do a bunch of damage, like keep them from moving, do all this. Um, that's something you can do. Um, but with certain comps, you run into the issue that the other team is going to see what you're doing. Um, a lot of times you'll see them, you know, you'll see someone pick um, Jarvan first pick, and they go, "Oh, well, we're going to take away uh, Camille, or we're going to take away Galio, or something." Um, and you got to figure out when you're looking at your draft and how you want to blind pick, um, or just how you want to pick in general. Um, who are you going to pick first? What happens if someone gets picked away? What's your second pick? Um, and not even just with the team seeing what's going to happen, but also they can just stay. Well, actually, that's a really low, you know, like that bounce house comp that I said here. Um, that's a very low range comp. Okay, we're just going to pick range, you know, pretty big range champions. We're going to pick things like Vagar. Um, we're going to pick things like, um, you know, or something mobile even. Oh, they want to jump on me? Okay, I just dash out of the way, or I just blink out of the way, or whatever, and I'm good to go. Um, you pick poke, you pick whatever, and now they can't get on me. Now they can't do anything. And if they, even if they do get on me, what's going to happen? Um, but there's a lot of other things, too, that need to be considered when figuring out the draft. Um, you got to really think about the player's power picks, like your player's power picks. Um, what is this person really good at? Is this person a great Sejuani? Is this person a great um, Kane? even? Is this person um, horrible on this other champion? Okay, don't go that champion. Like, that's a good thing to look at. Um, you have to think about your team's preferences, like your team in general. Um, what is your team likely to do? Um, when you're looking at your draft, you can you know, draft up the perfect composition uh, but then it comes to a point where you just can't you can't do anything because your team won't play that way. Um, a lot of times you have to look at also the meta itself. Um, if 
tanks are really weak in the meta. Well, then maybe don't pick tanks. Um, maybe that's not the way you pick you pick it. Um, or, I mean, that could also inform your decisions when it comes to what's next to come. If tanks are huge, well, then maybe you're drafting things that are really good against tanks. You're dra drafting Fiora. You're drafting, um, like, Mordekaiser, you know, tank killer type things. Um, where you're able to just basically just drain, you know, drain stuff out of that tank. Um, trundle, all this different stuff. Um, then you have to actually look at also, which is one of the biggest things too, is your individual player's playstyles. What is this player who you're drafting for actually like what are they what are they how are they going to play? Are they okay with just playing um you know, tanks all the time? Are they okay with playing the engage? Are they able to play, um, you know, assassins? Are they just a mage player that, um, you know, is just looking to be playing an assassin um, because the team comp calls for it? Sometimes you, sometimes it honestly is easier or better to put a person who is a good, like, let's say mage player. Someone who's a good mage player to put them on a mage when they could be on a uh, assassin, or that we need an assassin or something. Um, if that person is going to actually just do amazingly on a mage versus an assassin, just pick that. Um, that's honestly something that I've ran into in my, uh, you know, in my career here. Um, you know, with some of my amateur stuff, and it can be frustrating. Um, taking a look at uh, the draft and being like, okay, this will be perfect if we put in Zed here, or if we put in whatever, and you can't make that happen. But if it, if a lot of times I ran into that issue where you just couldn't make it work, and then they would just picked a a mage, or we picked a um, you know, say some kind of just other champion in that position and we were able to just figure it out and it worked out because that player was comfortable playing that style instead of playing in the uh, unfamiliar style that you know he was going to be made to be in so if you guys enjoyed um you know the video tonight and you enjoyed the podcast and you enjoyed the stream and all this make sure to follow us wherever you can uh, whether that be on Anchor, whether that be on Spotify, whether that be on um, Stitcher or any other nine pod podcast platforms that you're on, uh, hit me up there. Uh, give me a follow. Give me a follow on Twitter. Uh, my link tree is in my Twitch bio, but it's also in my Twitter bio and my TikTok bio and all this different stuff. My link tree has linked to everything this podcast, to my stream, to my YouTube, to my TikTok. Is it on my TikTok? I don't think it's my TikTok yet. But still, we'll figure it out. And uh, I actually really enjoyed this episode. I, I really like talking about the draft stuff. Um, I kind of want to break down and actually do like a drafting class, like maybe go through drafts, all this different stuff. Um, I think that'd be a really fun thing to do. Um, if you guys enjoyed that, definitely leave likes, leave whatever, um, comments, that kind of stuff. And I will see you in the next episode. Bye-bye!